Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my broom brothers and sisters. Greetings? Greetings. <laughs> yeah, you know a belch is, is quite quite impressive when you can hear it through the headphones <laughs> with all the mics turned off. <laughs> yeah, you probably, y'all at home probably missed that, but it was impressive here. That's what happens when you're enjoying some some tasty suds down at the, uh, the lovely studios in Martinez, yes. California. At the Santa Beer Crawl. Yes, we've got people. Santa's crawling all over the place downstairs. Indeed. So, uh, if you're interested and you're listening live, you're probably too far away to partake. <laughs> but uh, you should have been here. Yeah, that's how. Well, we, somebody will post pictures eventually. Oh yeah, they will. Yep, that's one of those porn sites, though. I imagine. Yeah, you can't be on the regular sites. You'd be over eighteen to look at the photos of this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like Caligula up in here. <laughs> that's what i told my wife when the kids went off to college i looked at her i said now the kids are gone i said it's gonna be like caligula <laughs> <laughs> she laughed uh, unfortunately I, I couldn't deliver on the uh the dream uh, I know, i'm thinking more like the land of misfit toys but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's at our place, it's more like, uh, instead of Caligula, it's more like Special Olympics. I don't know. There you go. But, uh, yeah, enjoyable nonetheless. Mm-hmm. No matter how you finish. That's right. Everybody gets ribbon. There you go. There you go. And everyone's still retarded. <laughs> no, matter, no matter who won. <laughs> so you've you've been spying on us? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, well, we've speaking of Special Olympics, we got our, uh, our fine friend... Uh, John. Colin, <laughs> Colin Kaminsky oh, in the yeah. store. We got our fine sponsor, Blickman Engineering. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of special Olympics, uh, I'm, I'm sure our fine sponsor, Blickman Engineering, would be a, a strong supporter of something like that. Yes, definitely. Because yep. most of their employees really belong there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, check them out. Uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, You're thinking about Blickman the same employee I am? <laughs> Probably not, since you're like licking your lips and no. grabbing your crotch. That's nah. disgusting. Uh, no, uh, check out BlickmanEngineering.com. They got all sorts of new stuff. They're always coming up with new innovations. And, and what's, what's the new thing they came out with? The Brew Easy? The Brew Easy. It's an all in one, uh, all grain brewing system. And uh, I mean, if you're making the transition from extract to all grain, mm-hmm. this sounds like a. It's, quite pr- a nice, it's pretty sweet. Uh, it's electric. Uh-huh. It's uh, compact. Small, compact, small Ooh. footprint. Nice for two, those about, uh, those New York apartments and stuff. Oh, yeah. Definitely about uh, two and a half feet diameter kind uh-huh. of um, footprint on it. and uh, Instead of a separate mash tun, louder, all that right. crap. It's all in one, one system. Yeah. Nice. Add all your water up front and just uh-huh. kind of plug it in and let it go. And uh, 
really simplifies the brewing process. Pretty yeah, nice. Nice, nice. Yeah. Leave it, leave it to Blickman Engineering to come up with something that's going to innovate your brew day. Yes, absolutely. That's very cool. You know, I haven't uh, seen the Blickman one, but I, I've seen something like that, and mm-hmm. it had a hoist to hoist the grains out. Is that what that's the, the does? No, the, the Blickman one uses uh, pumps, and uh, so it uh, it does it without. Does it, does it have a mash filter or something? How does it you get the grain? You don't need to yeah. your petard. No. Yeah, it, it uses a false bottom, and um, it recirculates and then uh, transitions um, from the mash to the kettle. Oh, I see. So there's two vessels. Yeah, there's two vessels, yeah. The, so the mash tends to An upper separate. and a lower. Oh, okay, yeah. I get it. I uh, like the Santa Santa crawl because some really good-looking woman just want, in a Santa hat just wandered up and almost entered the studio and then she saw us fat four <laughs> drinking beer she went she, flying back down the stairs she pretty much she probably was launched looking for the herself over the stairs to die yeah. instead of walking in here with us when, when i was parking my car there was a lady screaming at a porta potty outside and she's she's like you gotta get out of there santa's calling and uh, and then you hear out of the porta potty, I'm trying to find the flusher. Hold on. <laughs> ah, Martinez. Yes. All right. So uh, what we're doing today is I don't know. We're drinking beer, and Colin happens to be here. We were going to talk about the water book, and we could still talk about the water book, but right. I don't know. When we, as always seems to happen when we talk to somebody like Colin, we our conversation just wanders. Well, you know, we're not aimlessly, of, but no, no. interestingly, exactly. to different topics. And we start talking about one topic that makes us think of something else, and we start talking about you know hop utilization or you mm-hmm. know pH or whatever it might be. The effect of water sources on our beers, uh, right? And favorite acid uh, conditions, adult DVDs, things like that, right? There you go. So I, I, I think that, I, I don't know, unless you guys have a better solution, uh, I think we should just continue on down that path. That's the worst water pun I've ever heard. <laughs> Which was what? Better solution. Oh. <laughs> no, I, uh, that's because it wasn't a pun uh, intended whatsoever. Avoiding water puns was really hard with the book. Yeah, it really was. It, it we really had no choice but to just give in and try to get them all done on a couple of pages, and then that's how geeky these guys are. <laughs> well, and and every conversation had all to, my uh, include how dry the topic was at some point. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. All all my conversation involves sex, and you know that was Heath. Oh, she the, came the, back. The really good looking woman in this bag. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like she's taking a picture of us, but really she's just taking a selfie. Yeah, right. It, she's, a, no, she's reflection taking a, on the mirror. Taking a picture like. I get molested. These were the guys who did it. <laughs> are we on? Are we on the monitors down there? I, I think know. so. There's a lot of noise, though. I don't know yeah, if they right. can hear us. But you know, look, the hot, hot babes coming up and taking pictures. Yeah, there you go. It'd be uh, nice if they took pictures of us too. We should. <laughs> we should, we should do the Santa crawl all the time. I tell you, next shows. Let's schedule us for shows next Santa crawl. Works for me. Okay. There you go. All right. You know, at Joe's, we finally decided that St. Patrick's Day just wasn't uh, uh, a long enough celebration for us. Um, uh, so we've decided now we're doing St. Patrick's Day the 17th of every month. 
Oh, that's a good, good call. <laughs> <laughs> and we bring in an Irish band. We have corned beef. We we do the whole thing just like it's St. Patrick's Day on the 17th. Really? Every every month? Every month. Wow. And, and actually, it sounds pretty good. It, it's really fun, actually. It, yeah. it, you see, you know, because half of my customers are tourists, and uh-huh. they wander, and they have no idea what's going on. And uh-huh. all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, Aaron Gobla! <laughs> <laughs> well, I love corned beef. I love a great stout. You guys make a great stout. Um... Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, yeah. and then we have uh, we have the same Irish band play. It's uh, the Sorry Lot, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and they play all songs about uh, you know death and dying and drunkenness. And, nice, you know <laughs> all, all the that. all the Irish uh, uh, focal points. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They must be stoked they can get a gig outside of the month of March. You know, they actually formed the band just to play Irish gigs in Napa. That's a punk band. And they and they reformulated themselves into an Irish band to get a St. Patrick's Day gig every year, <laughs> and they've turned out to be really good. It took them like six years to put it all together. But there you go. And and then they found a place that is willing to do St. Patrick's it's Day every month. To pay them once a month. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. it all makes perfect sense. It's, all right. that, that was sort of back to the Special Olympics theme. I think. Too. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all part of special Olympics? that's why we love it so much all right let's do this let's take a short break when we come back we'll get more into why uh colin is is, is the perfect representative of uh, the special olympics after this <laughs> when you hear blickman engineering think innovation passion quality and customer service blickman gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment at blickman they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. 
morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey, my Bruton brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a backseat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're here with uh, good buddy Colin Kaminsky from downtown Joe's in Napa. If you're ever in, in downtown Napa's, mm-hmm. uh, make sure to stop by downtown Joe's and, and seek Colin out and his great beers. They're very good. <sighs> so what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about water, use in the brewery. Um, How about if we talk about haze formation? Okay. Okay. And, I think haze formation is one of those things that uh, people take for granted. I mean, uh, we talked about a little bit in the last show that time cures haze problems. True. But uh, what what causes it? Where does it come from? And what what can you do about it? Are there hazes you can't do anything about? Um, well, um, hazes are formed by proteins and polyphenols um, by themselves individually. It can be a kind of a temporary haze, but when they start uh, bind, binding together, polymerizing, then it becomes more permanent. You know, it's a, a permanent haze that you see in the beer. You can also get uh, hazes from hot polyphenols. Um, so in your, a lot of your uh, IPAs, and especially your fresh IPAs, uh, you'll see quite a bit of haze in the beer, and a lot of it's from the hot polyphenols. Hop- Have you ever seen an iron haze? I haven't, fortunately. I haven't haven't tasted one. I don't think. Um, did they? You know it right away because of the taste. Yeah, they taste like blood. But iron uh, in the water, uh, you see the old rusty well jackets. Yeah, can, uh, which makes sense haze. because um, when haze uh, haze proteins and foam proteins are very similar uh, in terms of size and, and origin uh, from the comes from the barley hoardings and uh, the. Um, I was going to say the foam formation is promoted by cations such as iron, aluminum, uh, zinc, uh, nickel, cadmium. But um, 
the um, but the point is those those uh, cations act as uh, as um, uh, electronic or, or ionic binders between the different proteins and the uh, the hop alpha acids and so on. So alpha acids promote uh, ha- uh, foam formation, um, and they the ions act as a, kind of a binder between them to to make stable foams. In the same way, a lot of ion uh, cation like iron, in your, in, as you mentioned, would uh, act to bind protein hazes together and make them larger. So they form into a more permanent haze. The other haze that uh, uh, I don't ever hear anybody talk about, and it's the worst haze I've ever seen, is uh, starch haze. haze. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking proteins. <laughs> a starch haze. Yeah, uh, a, incomplete conversion in the mash makes a haze. It'll gum up your filter. Can't you can't filter it out? Um, it will not settle out. Um, when you get a starch haze beer, all you can do is discard it. Hmm. Can you taste that haze? You know, it, it it doesn't taste like polyphenols. Okay. So polyphenols have a very specific flavor to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tastes like tea to me. Like tannins. Like yeah. tannins. We're talking yeah. Poly- but polyphenols, yeah, for the listeners at home, talking proteins, they're talking polyphenols, poly- protein tannin complex, which is you know, more common in literature, I think. Uh, and when they're talking tannins, they're talking polyphenols, polyphenols, tannins. Mm-hmm. And and polyphenols can be derived from hops or malt, right? Um, both the they're prevalent in both husks, husk material, uh, hop material, polyphenols, tannins. I'm here to translate for the rest of the world. <laughs> you know that that's one of the things that's always been really fun for me is uh, uh, all of my knowledge really in brewing comes through the Master Brewers Association, oh. and and that's for a very long time. Um, it hadn't really filtered into the homebrewing community. Mm-hmm. So I would get on a show and be talking with somebody who knew very much about a specific subject, but learned it all uh, um, uh, through homebrewing textbooks and things like that, instead of uh, where I'd learned it was from the journal papers and, and from the Master Brewers Association itself, from the MBAA handbook, <laughs> right. um, which gave me a much different uh, perspective than everybody else. Gave me a different vocabulary. Um, gave me a different, you know, I'm worried about how to design a calandria for a 600-barrel uh, boil kettle instead of um, uh, how, right. to, how to put a little flame onto a five-gallon kettle, you know, right, right. And, and get a vigorous boil. So, so I just came from such a different direction training-wise that it's made conversations like this really fascinating Awkward. for me oh fascinating <laughs> <laughs> um just because i i was trained in, in from a different generation of brewers you know the master brewers association was writing this stuff down in the 50s and 60s right and and a right. lot of you know uh dr lewis um he started uh, teaching at davis in 63 and uh uh and he's still around you can still send him an email and he'll answer your question he's still alive still alive and still uh, very excited about beer um, uh, but you have to speak his language, which is different true. Than, than the homebrewing language. Which, which is Welsh. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the other haze that I, I've found, I've had fun with, is um, what if you want to make a wheat beer that's cloudy, but time keeps settling your beer clear? What do you do? Um, you talked about in the last uh, show a, a Berlin advice that uh, clarified on you. Well... Some uh, some breweries ship their kegs upside down. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that way, when you turn it over to put it on tap, it shakes that all back in, and you hope it kills it, that you 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 serve it all, kill the tank, kill the keg before it clarifies. Um, for me, that's I serve out of seven-barrel Grundy's. That's not an option for me. So when I decided I wanted to make a uh, cloudy beer, um, I decided I'd break one of the uh, fundamental rules of brewing. And one of the rules of brewing is you fine at a temperature that's colder than you're serving the beer. And if, oh. you, if you add your finings at a temperature that's warmer than the serving temperature, you make what's called a chill haze. So for about a year, I produced a wheat beer that came out of the faucet, beautiful, cloudy wheat beer. And as soon as it got warm, about room temperature, it would be crystal clear. Oh, uh, okay. And, but you didn't notice it until you were busting the table. You know, there'd be like an inch of beer left in the glass, and it would be crystal clear. Huh. Interesting. Did you, um, have you entertained uh, did putting a star chase in some of those beers to see? Yeah, no. Uh, star chase sounds, sounds like a really bad idea because starch is a food source for microorganisms. Right. And, and they have to be able to have amylase. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully we've denatured all the amylase in the boil. Right. But starch, it's, it's kind of like leaving crumbs on your counter. One day you're going to get ants. Yeah. yeah I can see that. Or uncles. Don't worry, uncles. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Have you, you haven't tried to put any hazes in your beers, Jamil? Uh, no. Uh, you know, I think you know, getting a haze is you know the easiest part of things. You know, yeah. It's, what you do about the hazes is the the harder part. Um, and like we talked about earlier, you know, if you let something sit for long enough, yeah, it'll you know, clear. It'll clear. You know, a year, year and a half later, there, there you go. <laughs> Well, and uh, I think the yeah, you know the 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 whole thing most difficult about brewing and and commercial brewing for me has been really distribution and and sales. I mean that's that's the hardest part. The brewing part's the easy part. Yeah, that's the part I understand. It's it's all the other parts that are. In in terms of distribution and sales, you mean um, finding enough sales to or 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 more like quality control? You know, sales and production. It's a manufacturing business, and that's that's the hardest part of it. You know, it doesn't matter what level. If you're a nano brewery to you know the the major Budweiser plant, it's all about manufacturing. Mm -hmm. It's taking in materials producing product and shipping it out all efficiently and and in the right relationship to what sales are and what you know t- supply is and demand is and uh, you know supply of you know right. raw ingredients and labor and everything else and it's it's a you know for craft beer a fairly short shelf life product right where you have all these you know issues with okay how long you know I got to produce it and I got to move it out before you know, it expires before it goes, you know, code bad. And I got to get it to the distributors. Distributors need to get it to the retailers. Retailers need to get it all to the customers before those codes expire. You know, it, it's a it's a whole thing. Do you do any self-distribution? We used to. I mean, when we started out, we started out self-distributing, which was great. Um, you know, that's one of the nice things about California. You can self-distribute all you want. Now, with your license, I can't. With your license, right, right, right. Yeah. With a Type Twenty Three, um, you can uh, Type One or Type Twenty Three. You can distribute all you want. 
Um, the the problem with it is it's a whole other business. Distribution is an entirely separate and different business than brewing beer. So if you really want to do that, that's fine, but you need to hire the right people. You need to manage that business. You need, that's the only way you can be efficient at it. Distributors make their money because they're efficient at distributing. And if you're you know, trying to half-ass distribution, you're not being as efficient. It's cheaper to pay somebody, the distributor, to do it. True, yeah. But it's a great way to get started. It's really easy to get started because when you start out, there's so many craft central centric geeky places you just go to those and they'll take anything they don't care who made it if it's any good or not they'll just take whatever crap you produce you could be the worst brewery in the world you go there and it's like i got a keg of this and they're like never heard of you sure we'll take it and you know getting the repeat business is is more difficult but um you know that's that's one of those things it's just um you know being able to manage that because because you're talking about you've you've got a, a factory essentially and you've got employees and you know you need the product to flow in a consistent manner but it goes up and down depending on you know the market and a lot of different things and that's that's the hardest part of the whole thing is is the manufacturing business sure. running a a plant to produce a product and sell it through at the right rate. I mean, it's a little easier in a brew pub, I imagine, because you see the tanks start to go down, you brew some, and but I, I'm sure even then you, you, you run into issues where it's like, well, I thought they were going to drink this. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to go this fast. We, we've been slower. Now I've got products sitting there and I brewed more. And You know what? More uh, common for me is uh, uh, if a beer, for whatever reason, ends up with a little bit more CO2 than normal um, and runs foamy, mm-hmm. um, the usage goes up. Oh. And the sales don't, oh. and sometimes you don't notice that. If right. if he sees sales sales spike on a beer, you know right away. Oh, sales are spiking on this beer right now for whatever reason. I better uh, uh, get a backup tank going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if you're losing it to foam, and and the bartenders never really told you, so sales um, are remaining the same, but you you're but, out but of you're, beer much faster, right? right and right. and so that in the brew pub, that's been the harder one to catch. Well, and and, and t- timely. And the problem is that was all lost profit. People think, oh, no, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, it matters a huge amount. The amount of waste that goes on, yeah, waste yeah. is all taken from profit. It's not taken from anywhere else. It only is taken from profit. So if if you're making you know uh, a, a, a couple of bucks on a pint, right, that foam, that's taken from that, that, that profit. That profit is gone. That's money down the drain. It, it isn't money from, you know, it isn't evenly distributed across cost of goods and all that. It is only taken out of profit, which is just an amazing amount. It's a, it's a really interesting point. I, I didn't think about it until just now, but you do. You see that almost everywhere you go, you'll see some bartender, and it's foamy, and they just They're keep pouring it out. They're running foam down the fucking drain, yeah. Yeah, idiots. Yeah. And, and, they, and all they got to do is stop pouring, walk away, come back, and top it off. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. an interesting point. You'll time, see it everywhere you time. go. I keep telling my people, it's like cask beer. It takes time to pour cask beer, I, and, and I, I keep telling them, it's like, look, it took us far longer to brew this beer than it's going to take you to pour that glass. Take the time to pour the glass correctly, you know, and and you can get a beautiful pour with a beautiful collar of foam, everything perfect if you just take time. If you're rushing it. 
you end up screwing it up. Not enough foam, too much foam, all sorts of weird things. Take your time. You can make it. You can make it perfect every pour. Do you, do you give that lecture to your bartenders, guys? How do you fix that oh, problem? Yeah. Oh, every day. We, we, I, I, I have bartenders I that I've had for 10 years class. that still get it from me every day. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, we, we set aside training time. It's like uh, everyone's required to attend. And then I walk through and I very impatiently and <laughs> annoyedly explain, here's how you pour beer. Here's the collar of foam. Here's the, you know, this. Here's the that. You know, you're you're ripping your customer off if you, you know, pour just liquid to the top versus, or, you know, or you pour too much foam. It's not two inches of foam. It's not an inch of foam. It's a half inch of foam. You know, half to three quarter inch of foam. And if it, you don't and give it them the tastes foam, different. Yeah, and, the, and that's what it's hard to teach exactly. the bartenders. It tastes different. It's all about the presentation. It's all about the quality of beer. It's, you know, we're trying to produce a perfect experience. And a perfect experience requires a little collar of foam at the top. We're not trying to, you know, take a half an ounce from some customer. What we're trying to do is present a perfect beer. And, you know, having that as part of the presentation, part of the aroma, part of the character, part of the enjoyment of the process. Yeah, without that collar of foam, I don't find the aromatics of IPAs come out Mm -hmm. uh, very well. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to have a bartender, one of the best pourers that, that I'd ever trained. Um, when she would get off work, she'd have me pour her her pint. And I asked her, you know, why, why, you know, you're behind the bar. Why don't you just pour a pint, set it on the bar, and then walk out around the bar? She's like, they just taste better when you pour it. And so I really, that was early on when, and when I was brewing. And so I started looking at it. Well, what am I doing when I'm pouring? And I'm watching the entire pour. I'm watching the stream. I'm, I'm watching to see if I see any bubbles go through the stream. Um, uh, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to control that pour the entire time the beer is moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I see a problem, like I'm not going to uh, build ahead, I'm making corrections early on in the mm-hmm. pour, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was just coming on to you. You know, I, you know, <laughs> I like it when you pour it, big boy. <laughs> yeah. um, I like I, it from your. I, I did ask her out once and got turned down, so I don't think that was it. <laughs> uh, we we have the Shriners uh, coming in, Shr- Christmas Shriners. We have cool. uh, the. Uh, the bearded JP, <laughs> some Santa-clad tourists, radio tourists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I think that that's a, a fascinating, uh, you know, you know, when you have a beer? yeah, when you when you have a when you have a great uh, uh, you know server or you know bartender, somebody who understands that you know the the quality of the beer is not you know, finished. And I, I tell everybody at, at, at Heretic, I'm like, look, and they all get this, this lecture from me probably once a month. Everything you decide to do when you're working either makes the beer better or it makes it worse. It doesn't stay the same. You're either improving things or you're making them worse. Those are the choices you make every day. Right. And the 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 experience of the customer you know, the, it, it, it doesn't finish by, you know, buying the malt or choosing the yeast or brewing the beer or packaging it. You know, it's serving it. It's cleaning the restrooms. It's everything. Everything that you decide to do. 
And how well you decide to do that is either making us better or it's making us worse. Those are the only two choices you have. It's like, you know, people who think that they arrive on time, like, yeah, God. <laughs> uh, people who think they arrive on time, they just don't understand how the world works. And actually, Scott understands this. He just doesn't doesn't follow through. It's either either you're there early or you're late. There is no such thing as on time. And you know this, Scott. I'll have a good response for you in two minutes. <laughs> there, is, there is no on time. You show up early, you show up late. Those are the only two options. You either make the beer better or you make the beer worse. Those are your two options. And every every choice you make, and, and uh, you know, God bless them, you know, people that, that are working in, in, in jobs, you know, you're not, you're not being paid, you know, the rich and famous wages, so... Do you care? I don't know. I I like to anything I do. I like to make it better, and then I can at least take some pride in it. And and to me, that's a reward beyond a paycheck. You know, being right. proud of what I do. And so, I I think one of the the greatest challenges is finding those kinds of people to work with you. Where it's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm getting paid okay. It's not great. It's not horrible. It's you know, it's a job, but I do take pride in what I do, and I, I, I find everything. You know, I'm excited about it because people are are excited about what they're perceiving based on what I've done, and I I want everybody who works in our tap room to understand that what they're doing too. You know, not just the brewery guys. You know, it's 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 up to everybody in the chain until the person has has you know tasted that glass of beer that it's great. And everyone along the chain has had a hand in that. Everyone in the chain has yeah. been critical to the fact that that customer enjoyed that. It's not, oh, I'm just slapping something somebody else did into a glass and slapping it in front of somebody. What I'm yeah. doing is important. Right. And, you know, I could screw this up or I can make it better. Those are the only two options. And, you know, I, I think that makes a, a, a huge difference. I think so too, uh, uh, and it, I, I try to tell people that uh, their job's not done till till mm-hmm. the customer goes pee. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a good one too. I'm going to use that one. I'm going to use that, and then it starts all over again. And then and that's right. And, well, and, and 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 even because you know, you know about the beer and enjoying the beer and, until they go pee. But when they go pee, if the bathroom's not clean. Again, it, it, it ruins the experience. You could have the best beer in the world, and then you're just like, you know, there's flies and turds all over the place and paper towels. And, you know, wh- what does that do for your experience? It ruins that experience. One of my favorite tap houses in the Bay Area, um, I, I send tourists there periodically, and I always give them the warning. If you're going to go with your wife or your girlfriend, make sure they go pee before you get in the building. <laughs> it's that bad. Because the bathrooms are famous for being That's bad, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of terrible bathrooms, let's take a break and uh, use the uh, Martinez uh, facilities uh, before we come back with uh, more of this. 
All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously? What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight doesn't stop at 14% like most meaderies to save 40 cents a gallon. Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. Be a part of the BN Mead Explosion and ask for, no, demand Moonlight Meads at your favorite bottle shop. Moonlight Meads. Girly names, manly meads. Hey, sign me up for that party. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfanet migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin Brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the homebrewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. 
Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're enjoying uh, the lovely uh, early evening. <laughs> we're or- yeah, an yeah. early Colin Kaminsky. Uh, the older version I don't really care for. The early version I really do. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, I gained 40 pounds. What can I do? So that's what marriage will do life. to you. Yeah. Uh, were we talking about something before the break? Not particularly. You know, we, we kind of tied it up. Chat. Oh, yeah, we, we tied it up. I think. Huh? There you go. I put a. I put but a. The profit comes from the bottom of the bucket, not the top. Right. Right. Uh. <laughs> so uh, one of the things you can do when you're listening to the show, you can actually listen live. We'll post on Twitter. You follow the Brewing Network, and uh, you can participate in the show. There is, you go to thebrewingnetwork.com, there's a listen live link, there's a listen to uh, our chat uh, chat now button. Uh, button. You, you click on that. You don't need a password, but you can enter any name you want so you can be anonymous. Even something then, like Spider Wrangler. Uh, or Spider Wrangler, or Neckbeard, things like that, Pork Slapper. You can go ahead and enter any of those names. <laughs> and when you do, you can, you know, chat window, there's other people listening. You can talk with them. You can talk with uh, Scott while he's uh, running that. Yeah. And, you can ask questions uh, you can if ask you don't questions. understand what, we, yeah. what and, we're talking uh, about. It's a cool part of the show. And, and, and the reason why we do it live and why it's broadcast live is so you can interact with us. And I think it makes the show better. I think the questions from the chat. I agree. A lot of a lot of great people that uh, listen to the show and and getting their feedback is is really cool. Uh, it, and then you get people like me. I, I go in the chat room all the time during the Sunday session, but I'm not listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to chat with the people in the chat room. You know, <laughs> just sending for, like dick pictures to, well, to uh, people. The people say, "Oh, well, what, what, look, you know, Justin at, just this, said that. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't know. I'm not sore, listening. Look at this sore on my my my, my wang here." Thanks a lot, Colin. <laughs> Appreciate that support. All right, and 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 being so, uh, do we have any questions in the chat? We, I think we got some time here to knock out some questions. People, ask your question about anything, and if it's brewing related, we might answer it. Um, if it's sexually related, we might answer it to faster. Well, Bokanon was asking about a product that none of us were uh, familiar with, which I found shocking. It's it's Tanal A. He asked if uh, any of us had used it to add haze to beer. So I looked at it. It's a Y. It's a Y yeast product, uh, and uh, it's a, it says it's natu- extracted from renewable plant materials and is used to enhance yeast and colloidal suspension, like so to create permanent haze in beer, ideal for hefe's and wits. 
Uh, it says you dissolve it in de-aerated water <laughs> deer or beer. urine. Deer <laughs> urine. Add dissolved solution to conditioning tank prior to or during transferring. Haze production will be immediate. So, Palmer, you'd heard of it, but no one in this room had used it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it at trade shows and such, but I, I've never had a need to make a... It's extracted from beer. renewable plant materials. Produced in a green fashion. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting when I'm... So it's th- made from thinking- the stems from all your producers when, when yeah. thinking how i would dilute that uh de-aerated de- water is actually a technical challenge on a small scale right, um, right. yeah pretty much yeah. all you could do is you know boil up some water um yeah. put a lid on it and let it let it uh uh chill back down naturally and it's gonna and, and, pick and, up, and not pick disturb up air it. during that time it's yeah. still gonna pick up air but yeah. um uh that's probably better at de-aerating small batches of water when we're talking anything less than maybe 100 gallons, that's probably better than any other method you could use. So the usage rate, 4.5 grams per barrel of finished beer. It will depend on the amount of protein in the finished beer. Less will be required for beers containing more protein. So it's it's probably a uh, a polymerizing agent. Kind of bind the, ha- the proteins together to... Make well, visible haze. It, it can't bind them too big, though, because otherwise it, otherwise it, it would settle. Yeah. yeah. So we've got yeah. Stokes' law that says mm-hmm. the larger the particle is, the faster mm-hmm. it settles, mm-hmm. and also the 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 bigger the difference in density is between it and the solution. Yeah. So what you'd want to do is link some chains together and keep it light enough and small enough to stay in solution. Mm-hmm. So you can buy it in one, three, ten, twenty-five, and fifty-pound units. Fifty pounds of this stuff. If you're using uh, four point five heretic size, four point five grams per barrel <laughs> of finished beer, a fifty pound container is that's going to last you a while. Yeah, and this is only for hazy beer. How many how many hazy beers do you make? Well, I, I don't do any anymore. I have in the past, but anymore, I'd rather have the beer clear. Um, if it's an IPA or a double IPA and it's right. not crystal clear, I don't really care. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, I think a good double IPA. Tends to be hazy. Uh, it depends how long you let it sit. You know, you're, throwing, you're throwing in massive amounts of dry hop. You should, you know, if you see some haze, yeah, it's probably a good sign. Well, calcium has a lot to do with the amount of haze that you'll realize in the beer. If you don't have enough calcium in the water, that's right. Uh, especially yeast haze. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeast that's uh, not real happy won't flocculate. Well, and and uh, calcium is such an important yeast nutrient. The problem with uh, yeast haze is that yeast haze tends to have a bit of a bite to it. Uh, you know, when you have yeast in suspension, they tend to co- be covered in hop, uh, you know, uh, isoalpha acids, acids. and uh, the the yeast uh, tend to tend to be, you know, quite quite bitter. biting and bitter. Yeah. Interesting. So, and but in some styles, I mean, uh, what, 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 hop beer, yeah, like, like, a, like a, a Hefeweizen uh, or something. Yeah, like that, I've I've heard of. Uh, I've I've never traveled Germany. But I've heard of uh, beers that are literally served in pilsner-sized glasses, mm-hmm. and there's so much yeast that there'll be a half inch of yeast at the bottom of the glass before oh, wow. you can finish drinking it. Mm. Um, and that, and that doesn't a, sound like a good. It doesn't sound good to me either. But um, I guess in some areas that's expected. Yeah, or at least that's what I'm told. So well, I, I know you, you guys would know more about those styles than me. I make English ales. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I know the most about is our fine sponsor, Adam and Eve. <laughs> there you go. He's Always have a half them. inch in the bottom of the glass with them, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes three quarters. Ah. Usually three eighths, but sometimes three quarters. <laughs> Absolutely. 
you know, when I'm looking for having a good time, when I'm looking for a little extra t- entertainment, something to spice things up in the bedroom, something to spice things up in the brew house. Chamomile. AdamandEve.com. There you go. Chamomile. That chamomile. That's weak. That's weak. Don't bring it weak. Bring it strong. And I'll tell you how you bring it strong. You go to AdamandEve.com. You use the offer code Jamel. J-A-M-I-L. And what you're going to get then, you pick pick one item. Pick a pick a nice rabbit out for the for the wife. Pick out a uh, you know uh, some liquid for uh, for the uh, a favorite of John say some liquid. Yeah, that's uh, his go to lube. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know it's color coded, so you, know, you use the brown liquid for for one thing. Use the uh, pink liquid for another. Use the the green one for something else. Uh, it's all color coded. Uh, so you get yourself some liquid, and uh, you get a half price. And it, the, they've got tens of thousands of, of items there. Amazing. I was on the, the site the other day checking out lots of great products. You get one item half price, and use that off code Jamel, uh, and, and you're getting free shipping. The, the only thing you're paying for is the one half price item. You get free shipping. You get a free extra gift. You get three free adult DVDs from genres that you're choosing, such as anal, amateur, Asian, MILFs, big butts, big breasts, POV, uh, you name it. They, they pretty much got it. And, uh, and, and all, all for that price of the one, one half price item. So check it out, adamandeve.com. You can even do it from your mobile phone. Use that offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, and uh, show show how proud and strong and, and full into, you are. Yeah, that, by, that'd be like the auto erotica, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the car erotica. Yeah, yeah, yes. You can have sex in the phone. car if you want. Okay, absolutely. It's quite enjoyable. Do it. Do it now. Do it twice. <laughs> do it. Do it three times if you're listening to this. Do they Adam have a, use the offer code? Do they have a hazy proteins category? Uh, oh, you betcha! You betcha! You want me? I'll just get a little closer. I'll give you some hazy protein all over your face right now. All right. Uh, so let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap up uh, with this fine episode of Brew Strong. After this. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. New items include the Big Oxygen Kit for economical wart aeration using common welding oxygen tanks and the Unistat line of external thermostats for easy control of both electric heaters and refrigerators. In addition, They've just mashed their new oatmeal stout malt extract. So you can make those tasty winter oatmeal stouts and porters without mashing. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. 
When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Downtown Joe's, where everyone is welcome, especially if you like drinking and tasting beer. Head brewer Colin Kamensky's favorite beers are the Tantric IPA and the Double Secret Probation IPA. But you'll have loads of others to choose from when you redeem your exclusive Brewing Network savings. Downtown Joe's is the best brewery destination and the hottest night spot in Napa. Colin invites all homebrewers and fans of craft beer to stop by and enjoy the great food and beer. Whether you're in the mood for riverside dining, live music, or just hanging out at the bar to meet a person of the opposite sex or a person of the same sex, Downtown Joe's has exactly what you're looking for. And now just mention the Brewing Network to receive a dollar off your beer at Downtown Joe's. That's right, take a dollar off every one of their great selection of craft beers, including the Lazy Summer Wheat, Golden Thistle Porter, and the Triple Dog Dare You. Come to Downtown Joe's and enjoy the laid-back atmosphere of Napa's best brew pub. Visit downtownjoes.com right now for current beers, the live music schedule, or to drool over their delicious menu items. Downtown Joe's, your neighborhood brew pub where everyone is welcome. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creatures and the acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a fight. Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. 
the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're here wrapping up another fine episode. I'm assuming it was a fine episode. I didn't yeah. really pay attention, so, <laughs> uh, you know. But well, we have Colin Kaminsky, Kaminsky in studio. Cheers. Sorry. Easy Cheers to say. <laughs> yeah. And uh, been talking about water and been talking about the trials and tribulations of owning a brewery. And... Uh, <laughs> well, you know, we talked a little bit about, we started to get into distribution. Um, uh-huh. Distribution's its own can of worms. You know, once you let that keg out of the building, you don't know can, if they're going to... Can snakes. Yeah, they're, they're going to... I mean... You don't know if they're going to leave it in a in a truck and let it get warm. You don't know... That's um, the least of your worries. Um, oh, there's all sorts of things that can go on out there in the trade. And um, I, I That's one of the reasons I don't let kegs out of the building anymore. Mm-hmm. But we there, there was a time when Downtown Joe's was considering distributing. And uh, um, I uh, hadn't shipped any kegs to my distributor in a few months. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I got this call from a woman saying that she had a keg of mine at a hotel um, and that they had set up some engineering trade show dinner something and that one of the things the distributor promised was that the brewer would come speak to them about the beer. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't even have any idea where this keg came from. I'm thinking the distributor had been out of kegs. And I go and taste it, and uh, um, it was the worst Brett-infected beer I have ever had. <laughs> oh, my God. And I had to stand there for an hour and go, oh, thank you for the compliment. Yes, I make this beer. Oh, this is so nice. <laughs> and that was when I said, nope, beer's never leaving the building again. <laughs> oh, and that's the thing. I, I think you need to either decide you're going to be like a brew pub and... There's things you can do to maximize your return. And, you know, and, and people you know, are like, oh, he's talking about, you know, making money off of this. It's like, yeah, so you can stay in business. Not, you're not going to get rich, but so you can stay in business, <laughs> you want to, you know, maximize what you're doing and focus on being a brew pub. Or you focus on being a production brewery and then you're looking at something else altogether. And trust me, it's not like money's fallen off of the tree here you have to really execute well in order to break even you have to do a fantastic job of executing at high level in order to make a profit yeah it's a it's a lot harder i think than people think when i see all these new breweries opening you know i'm thinking we're, we're what we're seeing now in, in my mind i call it the fourth wave of new breweries and the first wave was the hippie artists you know the Jack McCullough's and and uh, people like that who who just wanted to be an artisan brewer wanted to make beer wanted to sell it wanted to have all their hippie friends hang out and I don't know if that's what Jack was like but mm-hmm. but you know that's kind of who a lot of those guys were and um, the ones that couldn't run a business were gone mm-hmm. so then you see the next uh, group of brewers come in and and they were the hippie guys that knew how to run a business and. And they they were paired with somebody who ran a business. And they stuck around for a little while, except they didn't know how to make beer very well. Mm-hmm. So then you get the next wave, and it was a business person with a good brewer um, trying to put together a model that worked. And that, that's the third wave. And that was just starting when I started to get involved. That mm-hmm. right. um, uh, You started seeing 15, 14, 15 years ago, you started seeing people put that equation together. 
And now we're kind of in the fourth wave. We rode that third wave for a long time. Now we're in the fourth wave where everybody who homebrews thinks that the ideal job would be to go out and, <laughs> and own a brewery. And and that they're going to be the next, I don't know, Goose Island or Sierra Nevada or something. And um, it's the, the logistics of it are you might as well be making widgets. Once you're in that manufacturing business like Jamil talks about, you are manufacturing a product. Mm-hmm. And and you're doing it for a profit, and you're not only doing it so you can take money home, but you have these people that come to depend on you, your employees, mm. and you're trying to give them enough money to survive, yeah. trying to give them enough money so that their families can have dreams, that their children can go to school, mm-hmm. that, that that they can be supportive in the community, um, and you're taking on this responsibility not just for you, but for all your employees, their families, and your community, and you've got to go out there and do a, a you know. For, forgive my French, a kick-ass job um, just to be mediocre. And, you know, everybody wonders, oh, gosh, why can't I get Russian River everywhere? It's a great beer because it's so hard to just simply do as much as he's doing and finance what he's financing that he can't just blow up and put a 100-barrel brew house in tomorrow and have Mm -hmm. it up and running in six months. Mm -hmm. He can't do it. And he would love to, I'm sure. Um, I don't talk to any very often. But uh, uh, I know he doesn't like saying, no, I can't take on another tap handle. And he has to say that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's not because, you know, uh, he doesn't want to. It's not because he doesn't know how. It's because there just isn't enough time yet for him to do it in a way that's comfortable. And one day he will. He'll open a big brewery. You know, and, you know, one of the things that uh, I think Jamil did a really good job of is picking a good-sized brew house to begin with. Um, trying to start with a seven-barrel system and then throw it away and build a 15-barrel system and throw it away and then build a 30-barrel system, then throw it away and then build a 100-barrel system and then throw it away. It just doesn't make any sense. And and I think Jamil did a great job. What, what is it, 35 barrels, you said? Mm-hmm. 35-barrel brew house is a great place to start. It's a little bit too big for one man to run, um, but two men could really run that brew house fairly well if you had to. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, it'd be a lot of work. Um, a lot of lot of sleepless nights, but two men could do it, and thirty five barrels of beer is enough to pay two people, no problem. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jabil? You think you'll ever find two men to run your brew house? <laughs> got a couple of boys in there now, right? <laughs> a couple of boys, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Colin, go on. <laughs> well, and and you know, so when I think, you know, everybody's like, oh, why don't you open your own brewery? And it's like, well, you know, when I go home. I, I I don't get to forget about work. I'm still worried, oh, is that tank going to run out? Mm-hmm. Did I take that CO2 off? Did I, um, uh, am I going to have enough yeast to get through the next week? I, I have things that I worry about. Um, but I don't have to worry about, am I going to make my payroll? Am mm-hmm. I going to, um, uh, uh, is, is my employee's children going to be able to go to private school or is, all of these things that, that Joe's got to worry about, and Joe does. Joe takes his responsibility very mm-hmm, seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, when he goes home, what he worries about are, um, is he making his employees' dreams come true? Is is he providing a service to the community, um, uh, both through the business itself, but also um, uh, through what the employees are able to do with, with their earnings in, inside the community? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of responsibility. It's responsibility I'm glad that I don't have. If I was going to take it on, I'd be a one-man 15-barrel brew house. That's what I'd do. I would distribute. I'd be a one-man 15-barrel brew house. When my back couldn't lift kegs anymore, I'd retire. I'd sell it and retire. So I'm at the, that point right now. Uh, 
lifting kegs <laughs> by myself anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, the, the whole, the, the sum of it is not about brewing beer though. Everything you mentioned had nothing to do with actually brewing beer. No. Um, I mean, the, the brewing, brewing beer is an ancillary thing to the brewing business. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it is. It, it's it's the necessary it's an, thing, right? However, it's it's yeah. It's it's such a the, minor part. part the, the, the logistics are so much more important. Yeah. I, you know, I have a, my assistant uh, uh, is getting pretty good. He can produce work now, mm-hmm. and and he's getting pretty good at it. And he thinks, well, that's all there is to being a brewer. And I can't quite explain to him that boy producing work. Not not all that complicated, really, mm-hmm. in the grander scheme of running <laughs> yeah. a brewery. That's, that's the minimum wage, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get up to the big pay? Start worrying about uh, you know distributor relationships and uh, you know sourcing uh, you know hop contracts and everything else. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm like right now. I'm working on my 2016 hop contract. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I've, I've got to have that uh, signed in the next couple right. of months. So, wow. what are you brewing in 2016? Uh I guess I'll take this and that, and uh, yeah. I mean, you're you're signing up for hundred thousand dollars in hops that you may or may not use. Yep, and you and th- those hops that you may or may not fit your your mm-hmm. your taste. Yeah, you know, great example when uh, Simcoe came out, I loved it. Uh, first year I used Simcoe, I loved it. I put it in a bunch of recipes, really liked it. Contracted it for the next year. Mm-hmm. Next year's uh, crop of Simcoe came in, I hated it. Mm. made everything taste like burnt rubber mm. sold it all off mm-hmm. fortunately it was in really high demand mm-hmm. so i was able to sell it all off um uh, never used it again even though i like it now mm-hmm. um but that year for whatever reason that harvest i didn't like and i was contracted to buy it yeah it doesn't matter if it tastes like you know turds out of a rabbit you're buying it once you've contracted for it yeah. of course if it turns out great and they don't have any for you uh, sorry you're screwed <laughs> well, fortunately, that I've never been shorted on a contract. But oh, I have. Uh, I I pay really close attention to what's coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if Centennial's about to run out, and I've got another you know two hundred pounds contracted, mm-hmm. I make sure to get that two hundred pounds in the building. There you go. Before right, um, right, right. it becomes an issue. So you know, somebody, uh, I'm like, we're like, well, we've got you know a thousand something of your Citra ready. Uh, how much did you want of that? You know, we could use the rest for other people. I'm like, no, send me the whole entire thing. Yeah. Yes. You know, whenever you have it, just send it to me. I can store it. And they're like, oh, you know, we could send you less. And, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't care about those <laughs> other people. Send me everything. And I will, you know, I will, I'm top dog on this contract. You, you give me everything. And then, you know, cause otherwise I'll get screwed. They'll be like, oh, we ran out. You're, you know, we can't fulfill the, the end of it. Oh man, it's just frustrating on these hop things, and and that's why I'm years out now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I really tend not to negotiate on price. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm much more likely to negotiate on delivery schedules, yeah. storage contracts, things that's like a, that. You know, the prices now are you know, there's prices fourteen, fifteen bucks a pound. Hmm. Used to be four, six, yeah, yeah. dollars a pound. Fourteen, fifteen dollars a pound now. Right, it's the homebrew shop prices. Yeah, is it just because demand is high and so prices have gone up? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's Everyone a couple. There's that. a couple reasons. Uh, in in the old days, hop growers made all their money off the big breweries, 
and and the big breweries could forecast their usage very well. Their recipes didn't fluctuate very much. Mm-hmm. Now they're making all their money off the craft breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a fickle bunch. One year we all might decide we want Centennial, and the next year we might decide we don't want any. And this farmer takes him yeah, three years to get need, into production. They need to take a little bit of responsibility themselves because they, they're like, well, we don't have any Centennial. It's like, okay, so what do you expect these breweries to do? They end up having to find an alternative. And they find an alternative that works, and then they're going to use that. They're not going to willy-nilly change freaking hops left and right. They're just trying to find something that's stable, that works for them, and then they'll go ahead and keep making that. And it'll be a slow transition from that. But the problem is, okay, we've contracted Centennial, or we contracted whatever, and you told us you would give us 2,000 pounds, and we've signed a piece of paper saying we'll pay for 2,000 pounds at a ridiculous price, and then you're just like, oh, sorry, we don't have any for you. That's like, well, okay, so I need to find something else. So you could go ahead and plant that Centennial, but by the time it's ready... Fuck you. I've moved on to something else. You haven't given me Centennial for three years. I've got to use something else. i got to make beer. So they need to take a little responsibility on their side. The way the contracts work right now, you sign a contract for hops. If they shit out some pellets of something and send it to you in a bag, you have to pay for it. Doesn't matter what it is. You've got to pay for it, right? If they don't have it, Tough luck. So There's they, nothing you can do. They work in one direction, the contracts. Yes. Yeah, the contracts are all one-directional. Now, it's to help them schedule and predict and plan. And I'm not, you know, bagging necessarily on the farmers, but there are some people involved in this whole thing that are, you know, taking their cut, and they line up more contracts than they can possibly ever fulfill. Because they want to sell every last pound and they want to make every last dime they can make off of this. And they're not, they're not really the best thing for the farmers. They're not really the best things for the brewers. They're making their money off of this and they're, I don't know. It's kind of like the beer distributors. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not the best thing really for the brewers or, right. or the consumers. The, or the consumers. But right. boy, they're a necessary evil in the long run. Right. Right. And I think that they, you know, some of them are better than others, but they need to take some responsibility and they need to kind of, you know, understand that they need to better represent the farmers and better represent the brewers. And by doing so, it'll even everything out and less people will be pissed off and everything will work out better for everybody and everybody will make money. But unfortunately, I think they, they think that, you know, some of them think that they're in the driver's seat and it's like, well... Screw you if you don't want this. Screw the farmer if they can't sell this. You know, they're like the lords of everything. I think that that sometimes that comes to pass. Have you ever had to reject a a, a, a lot of hops? No, no, no. I, I, but, but, I there's some I would have liked to have rejected. Right. And I mean, can yeah. you? Hell no. Well, sure you could. Uh, right. I mean, they'll, and they'll if it's never deal with you again. Yeah, that could happen right. too. And, 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 and Joe's, you, you 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 go ahead and reject something. The next time you want to get hops from them, good luck. Yeah, they won't return your phone calls right, at that point. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I guess that's one of the things. You know, Sierra Nevada, they get to to approve every lot mm-hmm. um, uh, before it's shipped. Right. So they actually are doing a rubbing of every lot. Um, uh, they get to choose whatever they want. Um, uh, I don't. I get right. I get the and, lots that are that are left around. And, oh yeah, and I've, you have to make them work. So this is where the small craft brewer 
shouldn't be dealing with the bigger hop suppliers because you're getting screwed. Those bigger hop suppliers are kissing ass on the bigger brewers and letting them choose what's great hops. And then you get the, you know, they're getting the buds, you're getting the stems, right? (laughs) So take those stems, pay for them. Like you said, you'd pay for them. This is what you get. Smells like rabbit pellets to me. Doesn't have any aroma. Nope. That's what you get. You get the leavings that nobody else wants. That's what the smaller brewer gets. Instead, the smaller brewer should be dealing direct with the, the hop farms, where they're not dealing with these giant brewers that are screwing everybody else in their hop contracts, right? That's the way the, the industry's working. The smaller hop farms should be dealing direct with the smaller brewers. The smaller brewers should be supporting the smaller hop farms. Where you're getting something, where you're getting first cuts, you're getting quality product. That's that's where the smaller contract brewer, the smaller craft brewers should be dealing with the smaller hop farms, and everybody should be winning there. And the, it's just the big hard guys to make those can connections. deal with the big guys. Yeah, it's just hard to make those connections as a small oh, craft. Yeah, brewer. it takes a lot of time. Right, right. So, I think I, I think that you know there's there's it's a manufacturing business, and that's that's the problem. These big craft brewers, manufacturing business. Big hop suppliers, manufacturing business. Manufacturing business, manufacturing business. That's where you know it's the handshakes, it's the, the you know the glad handing, it's all that stuff, and that's where it happens. Small brewer, deal with small farms. Don't don't. You know, don't take the leavings at the at the big big suppliers. And and on a, on another note, that's uh, my issue with uh, some of the barley suppliers too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I twelve years ago, I was uh, back when Golden Pacific was uh, where Trumer Brewery is now. Mm-hmm. I, I went to uh, a meeting there where um, one of the uh, big barley suppliers was explaining to us uh, how the harvest went that year, and um, and. They said, okay, well, so this year, the craft blend is going to be 30% this variety, 40% this variety, and 30% of this other variety. And um, I kind of raised my hand, and it's like, well, why did you pick those? Well, that was what was left over left after Budweiser and Coors took what they needed. Right, right. And and that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute. The, you're, you're low man on the totem. And, and, and they... And, the craft blend isn't something mm-hmm. that they think is going to taste good. It's something that they think they can get past us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I did when I got to downtown Joe's is I switched all our barleys to European barley. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is there's a history of small maltings. There's a history of craft brewing in, mm-hmm. in, in Europe. And you can. You can find these small maltsters like uh, Simpsons um, uh, that are producing beautiful malts. Um, uh I went from, I had to change my mill gap dramatically when I went from U.S. barley to uh, British barleys um, because they reject the smaller uh, barley kernels. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting these beautiful plump kernels that were all the same size. And yeah, I went from 21 cents a pound to 86 cents a pound. I don't give a shit. I want mm-hmm. the barley that I want. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, homebrewers, don't, don't be fooled into thinking you're getting the best of stuff. You're getting the leavings. You're getting the stuff that nobody else will take. You're getting, you're getting the you know the low quality crap a lot of the times. Well, you and know, there's there's you know there's the, exceptions. There's I mean, exceptions. You know, uh, one one of the, a great example uh, when I worked at More Beer, 
Mm-hmm. More beer goes through more malt than I go through. Mm-hmm. So they actually get a better malt contract than mm-hmm. I can get mm-hmm. because yeah. because they're selling more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's you know the disadvantage of the little tiny local store where where they're only ordering one bag. They don't have any leverage. And that was something that the big store did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the big stores, uh, there's a few out there, um, did was they bought a buying power that that they didn't used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was good. It, it took the technical support out of the community, mm-hmm. which is in some ways good, in some ways bad. Mm-hmm. If it was bad technical support, it's good to get it out of the community. Right. But if it was good technical support, then it was good to have that little homebrew shop in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, Napa, we have a great little homebrew shop, and and I'm really excited. They they do a good job at educating customers about beer and winemaking. All right, so kind of a depressing way to leave the the show, but uh, we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Should, yeah, we, should we should we do just uh, one question from sure. the, the chat sure. before we wrap it up and yeah, try absolutely. and cheer ourselves up here? This one's from Stretch. He said, I think I overdosed a stout with 5.2 stabilizer. Tastes a little salty. Anything I could do to precipitate the salts out? No, there isn't. That uh, You're talking about uh, phosphates um, predominantly, and potassium uh, is one component of that. And it's, uh, it's very soluble. It's not going to precipitate out. So diluting that beer with another beer with another batch is about the best way there would be to uh kind of bring that flavor component down boy but try it it could be even a 50 percent dilution isn't enough yeah um you you don't want to take five gallons of beer and make it into 10 gallons of bad beer so true i agree my my (laughs) hint is always just dump the shit and brew it again you know don't make 20 30 40 gallons of so so beer, just dump it and start over. Yeah, don't don't throw good money after bad Absolutely. or whatever they say. I, you know, I do about 120 batches a year at Joe's, and I, I lose about nine percent of that to to foam giveaways, employees drinking things like that. And you know, when you think about that, that's nine or ten batches of beer I brew every year. If I had to throw one or two out, or even four or five, accountants aren't going to notice. Mm-hmm. So on my scale, yeah, if you don't like that beer, throw it out. It's, um, it's cheaper than serving bad beer. Yeah, yeah. Bad beer uh, has customers leaving you, mm-hmm. even even yeah. on the homebrew scale. Yeah, you know, you yeah. make a beer that's just eh, you're not drinking at all. You serve it to your neighbors, and the neighbors are like, dude, doesn't make very good beer. <laughs> Is that really the impression you want to leave? No, just dump the shit, start over. Yeah. All right, there you go. Thanks to the chat for the questions. All right, another great show. Well, maybe. Uh, it's another show. I'll give it that. Thank you for being here, Colin. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Th- thanks for coming in. Uh, if you guys get a chance, uh, check out Downtown Joe's in, in Napa's, uh, California. Uh, Napa's. Some great beers, some great food, great people. It's, it's a wonderful location. It's really enjoyable. Every time I've been there, I've, I've really had a, a great time. And, you can, yep. and when you're going to take a leak, you just veer a little bit to the right and there's the brew system and, and you get to see how, where all the magic happens and feel free to climb around the equipment walk in the office do whatever the hell you want start brewing a batch of beer it's, it's perfectly okay not a problem colin says it's fine uh really you should go down there uh downtown joe's and, and check it out and, and if you're there and colin's there and he's brewing he'll have you sweep up he'll have you clean the bathrooms 
Uh, I'll have you climb in the mash tun with a scrubby. Yeah, he'll have he'll have you work your ass off, no problem. So uh, go down to downtown Joe's and, and give that a give that a, a look. Uh, if you enjoy this show, which is questionable whether you would or not, uh, check out our our fine sponsor, Blickman Engineering, BlickmanEngineering dot com with Blickman with two ends. Lots of innovative stuff. Check out the Brewing Network store, BrewingNetwork.com slash store. Check out the uh, hoodies, growlers, glassware, all that other fine stuff. Uh, everything you buy, the the net profit of that goes direct to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Helps keep shows like this on the air. And if you like it, I suggest you do that. Until then, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong. <laughs>